0: Welcome to episode 116 of Friends of Film, a podcast for News and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover Deadpool 2's new trailer, a Thor Ragnarok reunion, Chris Evans possibly leaving the MCU, and more after review Pacific Rim Uprising. As always, I'm your host, once again joined by a man who has a better back tattoo than Ben Affleck, Josh Straley.
1: Oh man,
0: Man, that poor dude in his midlife crisis. Oh, It's rough.
1: It is ugly as heck.
0: Yeah, I my favorite comment was this looks like a Zack Snyder tattoo that Josh Whedon <laughs> took over halfway through.
1: <laughs> oh man. Uh and then I think what what did uh, Jennifer um Jennifer uh, his uh, Jennifer Garner Jennifer Gardner said like no bless his
0: heart or something yeah. like that in response. Yeah. It's to it's it. it's rough. Especially it's funny just cuz like a couple years ago like He was like, no, 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 this is a fake tattoo. And now it's like, no, it's very much real.
1: For the Live by the Night movie. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. But uh, hey, everyone. Um, If you're interested, you can check out all of our latest uh, shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you're interested in keeping up uh, with what we're up to, you can find all of our latest news and posts on Facebook and Twitter. And please, if you can, on iTunes. Please leave us a review. It really helps.
0: Yeah, and we also launched a website this year, friends uh, friendsoffilm.wordpress.com. Bingo, got it right this week, where you guys can find uh, elaborated reviews from us, from one of us each week, depending on uh, what movie we're talking about. So last week I did a written review of Tomb Raider. You can read our thoughts, but then there's also a link to the episode in that in the. Uh, at the end of that article as well, this week, Josh, it was his turn to do one for Pacific Rim Uprising. What did you think?
1: Okay. So, the think of the original Pacific Rim. Yeah. It was this kind of like alternate pop movie directed by Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. And it was hip to Charlie Hunnam and del Toro, you know, before any of us were, before he got high profile movie roles in Detoro got his Oscar. And then so Pacific Rim Uprising is the pop song version <laughs> of it's that. It's the pop cover. Yeah, exactly. It's it's got all of these people that um I mean it's bigger, it's louder. Uh but it's you know, it's no longer about the music anymore. Mm-hmm. It's about the frills and that that's what it is. Um it's got a couple things right that are still very good and still very, you know, edgy. And that's with John Boyega's casting. Because first of all, the guy is, he is so fun. And when he's not in his deep roles like uh, Star Wars or in like Detroit, Detroit yeah. or Imperial Dreams, when, he, we, when we finally got back to his, kind of like his roots, mm-hmm. which is like Attack the Block. He's there, he's having fun, and he, he is the only person in this movie who's enjoying himself. And that's evident from the get-go when he's partying in the aftermath of a, a kaiju destroyed coastal city. Securing
0: his hot sauce.
1: Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's he is he is loving it, but nobody else is. Scott Eastwood it looks like the guy realized the movie was going to be a little bit unsteady, and then just decided to phone it in the entire way through. And that sucks because he's playing opposite of John Boyega for. Um, a third of the film. Yeah. And that third of the film just rots. It's awful. And that's kind of the <laughs> thing that I don't get. The story, uh, written by Emily Carmichael and um, somebody Steven, else.
0: Stephen tonight helped do part of it. Yeah. Um, as well as Keira Snyder and T.S. Nolan. There we go.
1: It's it's a good innovation. It's a good continuing of what we got in Pacific Rim. Um, it makes sense on a lot of levels. But... W- when they put this movie together, I don't know what the the night's deal was. It feels lopsided, haphazard and just screeches like, you know, fingernails on the chalkboard as we go from robot fight to robot fight. Mm -hmm. And I could hardly stand it. (laughs) But luckily when we get to the robot fights or the Jaeger and Kaiju battles and Mm -hmm. Jaeger against Jaeger fights, It is awesome as heck. Um, It's more like the cities kind of fall into the background, um, and you're just watching some very sweet action. Uh, And I think it's the gypsy is what's piloted by John Boyega, and it's just all about style. I mean, there's the gravity of the situation is kind of melted away and pushed to the background, and... Like those trailers, you're just there to watch robots kick some butt Yeah, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, And it does that to the detriment of its characters uh, in a lot of ways. Um, We're introduced to a whole brand new cast of Jaeger pilots, but most of them don't really get any other time um, other than Kaylee Spaney, who does a great job. And if there is a one-two punch to this movie, it's Boyega and her, Mm -hmm. and they have a great relationship. And the movie finds that notices that and is able to um at least patch you know some of the poor performances elsewhere in the film. Okay. Um Charlie Day got to be a, another one bright spot, but his entire arc is just weird and zany and Needed to be flushed out a whole lot more because it's kind of central to the movie. Yeah, didn't like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, at least the especially the introduction. Um, mm. we'll get to that in spoilers, but it's just uh, it's it's not random. It's interesting, but the movie does knows that, or at least says it doesn't want to pay attention to that, and glosses over it. And you're left wondering, well, what the heck? And one line of dialogue can't tie it up at all no. um and then out, out but outside of that it's just a a huge action movie mm-hmm. and there's really nothing else to it uh than that so um,
0: it, as i feared with the trailers it's more like a transformers movie than a pacific Rim it movie it is
1: it is that's exactly right there is no substance to what's going on underneath anymore the the, the interesting world that guillermo uh, created Is being treated like You know Just less reverently mm-hmm. um, And It wanted a wider audience appeal Or at least uh, At least tried to appeal To a wider audience Here in the states I think More so than it did The first time around Okay uh, And it Does that to its own You know Faults mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm not Not big on that But it's not Terrible either it's just that when you go from someone who took such great care and work as Del Toro did with the first one, mm-hmm. and then you had someone kind of say, "All right, well, let's just um, let's grease it up," you know, put it on, uh, put some new spoilers and rims, yeah. <laughs> and add a lift package to it. It just kind of stops being what it what it was. Uh, so, all of that said, it's I it's, can give it three out of five ticket stubs. Okay but if they're if they're going to continue with this i think they need to take a step back before they go to their um, their planned sequel yeah or at least their setup sequel mm-hmm. which falls into some so many questions that yeah. you know remind <laughs> me of uh independence day resurgence Yeah, that's very questionable but what, what were what were you thinking uh, you
0: think? just for comparison sake what would you give the first pacific rim
1: i would give the pacific the first pacific rim four out of five ticket stubs okay yeah
0: so i'd give the first pacific rim a three and a half okay i think it 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 lays a foundation of a very cool world mm-hmm. del Toro's style obviously helps with that and just the way he frames these jaegers and these kaiju but then i think it gets a little mindless towards the end right um and i think this one is just fine okay you know i don't have strong feelings really either way about this movie it was like i watched it okay i saw another average studio blockbuster movie mm-hmm. like that was my impression leaving the theater You know, it had the, 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 you know, the needed comedy at a few certain points where it's like, oh, okay, ha, laughed there, chuckled there, made me smile here, just to kind of keep the mood up. Yeah. Um. It also had the action and the spectacle that you need out of a movie that is 150 million dollars or whatever this movie costs to make. Um. And in those moments there's good stuff to it. You know, it is entertaining to see Jaeger on Jaeger fights or a Jaeger versus Kaiju again or the Jaegers teaming up to fight a giant Kaiju. Like, that's all fine and dandy, and there's good parts to that. Unfortunately for me, I felt like I'd already seen all that things, the film's marketing, which really took me back because I was just like, yeah, I've seen this shot. I've seen this shot. Mm-hmm. I know what's coming here. I know what's coming here because we've just we've seen it all in the trailers. So it's like there was no surprises when it came to the action. Uh, even if it was like okay, yeah, it was cool to see it not on my laptop or on a phone. It's cool to see it on a big screen, but it didn't have as as a big of an impact. I think it could have if they would have maybe not done that final trailer that really pushed a lot of the action and a lot of the set pieces and like i just feel like i knew this movie was going from the get-go in terms of how the action is going to play out the story i didn't know where it was going to go because i don't know if they knew where it was going to go at certain places like no scott eastwood's character he does whatever is necessary for the plot. you know. So if he needs to be angry at John Boyega because he left the Academy before, then he's going to be angry at him. But <laughs> if he's got a buddy up to him to help you know, keep him around, he's going to do that too. Yeah, that's a great But point. he's also going to go do this other thing with this chick, and then he's going to go find this other person. It's like you're just there as a plot device, not as a character. And maybe that's why Eastwood's performance wasn't particularly good, or maybe just because... I don't know if Eastwood is that good of a an actor. I mean, I think he's fine. Right. But like in Fate of the Furious, he was cringe worthy. It was mm-hmm. it was it was really bad. Suicide Squad, he was fine in, you know, he has a brief moment in Fury. I haven't seen a lot of his, you know, romantic, rom com sort of leading role things. But and maybe he's good in those. But I don't know if he, he needs a much better written role and a much better story for me to see if he can be this hollywood leading man that they continue to try to make him cuz he's not that and john boyega certainly is Absolutely. like it's 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 no it's night and day mm-hmm. like you from the first moment john boyega's on screen like I, okay i like you because you're Finn. i like you from attack the block like right. all this stuff but he also makes this of this new Pentecost character, mm-hmm. uh, his own, and it's like, okay, yeah, I like you. Like, yeah, it's fun to have this opening sequence of just John Boyega partying, and right. it's like, that's fun, and see him go get his hot sauce and his other commodities that he needs. Right. And he's doing this just to try to stay alive, basically.
1: Or like, you know, you want to, you want to go hang out with him at midnight in the kitchen and right. make some ice cream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those are great How stuff. many
0: toppings do you need?
1: <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't talk about my toppings, man. <laughs> like, and that's, that scene is cringeworthy only because anytime the camera goes back to Eastwood, you're like, there's, there's no chemistry no. here at
0: all. No, there's nothing. It, it all falls flat. And, it just it it it's disappointing, and you mentioned the young pilots I mean I did not care for any of them I mean yeah we got a lot about Kaylee Spaney's character, mm-hmm. but I didn't really care for her I mean I didn't think her performance was that particularly great, and maybe that's just because she is a surface level character we don't get to know that much about her, and most times we do see her she's fighting in a Jaeger or trying to fight in a Jaeger or trying to do all this other stuff there's not really that much character moments except for when her and boyega um, have that mental handshake thing whatever yeah. it's called uh, that we get some Neural of we net. get some of her backstory there but the rest of it is it's nothing um, so I mean it's just uh, this this uh, yeah I mean the characters weren't great the story all over the place Charlie Day's character is ridiculous now um, there's a random love triangle. At one point in the movie, that's just like, what's happening here? Like, yeah. bo- John Boyega makes a line, and one of the scenes like, well, mm-hmm. that's confusing. I'm like, yeah, this whole <laughs> arc is confusing. Like, it's not necessary for the movie.
1: Like, um,
0: so. I mean, it also, going from the first Pacific Rim movie, which I liked, but I wouldn't consider myself a major Pacific Rim fan or anything, mm-hmm. it kind of pushed aside a lot of what that first movie was in terms of its characters or just its tone or its world building. And then there weren't that many repercussions, um, especially with one character that's tied to John Boyega's character. Yeah. there Something happens and we'll, we can get into the spoilers. And it's just like that. I feel like that should be a driving force for us, the, the movie. And instead it's like a one, it's one thirty second scene. And then it, it's never mentioned again. And you're just like, what happened
1: yeah um rinko Kik- kikuchi's uh-huh. character uh the mori the, the yeah, co-lead, we don't don't
0: spoil what happens but i mean she's
1: relegated to the sidelines yeah
0: very and- small role so that was disappointing but i mean i don't think all of that i think part of that blame goes on tonight of just the execution of this maybe his telling of the story but there's also moments where like I could see his directorial style and just like that opening like sequence where it's like, it's quick cuts. There's energy to it. Like it felt fresh. And like the, even just like the, the, the wipe downs or the wipe acrosses. I'm like, I feel like I don't see that a lot in like these, these big, bigger movies. I'm mm-hmm. like, I liked kind of the fun that tonight was having there, but then there's other moments where it's just, it's, it's a lifeless movie. And it's just like, all right, here's the big spectacle. Nothing special about it. Right. Um, so like there were moments where I was like, oh okay, like I can see why tonight got this job. I would like to see tonight do these other big projects potentially in the future. But then there's other moments where I'm just like, you're losing me, mm-hmm. and like that. Was, so that was disappointing because I, I like um as somebody who's a huge fan of season one of Daredevil. Yeah, I'm just a fan of him, and like you know I follow him on Twitter, and like he's he's a he's a nice guy. Like people are like, you screwed up Pacific Rim. And He's like. It's like, oh, I'm sorry you feel that way, but thanks for supporting the movie. It's like I always have like a soft spot <laughs> for directors who like take all this crap on Twitter. Like mm-hmm. David Ayers does the same thing and just like responds back like nicely and like respectfully. And like not, I mean, that's not giving Pacific Uprising any extra points because that's not any – that has nothing to do with the quality of this movie. It's just the quality of the person behind making the movie. But at the end of the day, since you know, I thought boyego was really good. I thought there were moments of the action that were good, and it is relative. It's I mean, it's an hour fifty, mm-hmm. so like it wasn't too long. Right. Um. It didn't it didn't drag too much at certain points. I'm gonna give it two and a half ticket stubs out of five. Okay. Fair so. enough.
1: This is his directorial. This is feature film feature debut. Film. Yes. Uh, I mean. He's got a lot – he's got some ground to make up, I suppose,
0: but – Right. But, I mean, I think, you know, after this, I would like to see him take on something. I don't want to see him get another blockbuster necessarily. Like, I don't – you know, him to get a a Star Wars movie next week or something. But, like, you know, if he got announced to do – I don't even know what. But just, like, something else that's, like, maybe a little smaller, um, a little –
1: Closer to the ground,
0: yeah, just realistic, and that's not so fantastical. Like, that's where I think yeah. we could get something like good out of it. Like, in the news, we may talk about a Camille Nagiani movie, um, The True American, which, like, I think, but like, that, not necessarily that movie, but mm-hmm. like, something like I don't even like the raid reboot that they're talking about, oh, Frank Grillo, right. like, something like that, an action movie, but that's just like smaller. Like, that's where I think tonight should go next to try to
1: yeah.
0: hone his skills a little more. So uh, let's move into spoilers Please. here. So we can talk about Pacific Rim Uprising. What do you want to touch on first?
1: So I think that, okay, I, well, there's, there's two egregious ones. Okay. The first one, though, is film continuity. If anyone with a more, I mean, not, it's not necessarily like continuity, but it's just, it again speaks to the um, lack of reverence this movie should have had for the first one. Before becoming a loose cannon, Mm -hmm. and that's with Mako Mori, um, the the co lead, the uh, co hero of Mm -hmm. Pacific Rim. Rim, I mean, she like a lot of people see that role um, for Rinko Kikuchi as kind of like groundbreaking, at least for um, Asian actors Mm
0: -hmm. in cinema. Yeah, it's it's a it's a major blockbuster with a major you know Asian female lead. Like that's that's big. And
1: in our sequel, she has nothing to do other than be the the not even a MacGuffin for Jake Pentecost's character because it doesn't bother him. uh, Past her untimely death in the (laughs) beginning of the second act.
0: Yeah, it that that's where I was like, wait, what is this movie doing? Like I like killing her, fine, but like the fact that the only part that even mentions this is like him going and putting a picture in front of her and um stacker Pentecost's photo like okay fine and then like kaylee spain makes one mention oh i'm sorry your sister died Mm -hmm. nothing there's no like back and forth about the loss of family even though she lost her whole family right like and i I think even scott eastwood makes a mention of it like hey sorry about your loss or something but like it's 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 glossed over so quickly and then like i think they try to pick it back up with this whole like theme of like all right the jaeger pilots are family you know that mm-hmm. was something that rinko kikuchi would used to say and so that and so i think he, they're trying to make that like a thing but they don't
1: no and yeah they like there's that Familiar relationship they try to develop like near the end mm-hmm. with a snowball fight between uh, boyega and spainy and it's yeah, that's it's, just silly it's it's silly it's cute for a second but then the movie ends there and you're like oh yeah such they a weird did, final shot they had no idea what they were doing no. that's why i was like
0: they faded to black and did the logo and i was like okay so we're gonna get like another mm-hmm. couple of minutes and it's like no we got like the the mid Post credit scene right teasing the sequel it's like that's it, yeah, we end the movie after defeating this giant Jaeger or this giant Kaiju with a snowball fight hmm
1: what that almost erupted Mount Fuji and destroyed the entire world, yeah, it's like, okay, you know, fair enough, fine, whatever, but guess, but anyway, that post credit scene. We see Boyega confront Charlie Day, Uh whose mind has been poisoned or turned against humanity. Um, And it turns out he's the reason that the kaiju were able to, or the forerunners, sorry, were able to send more kaiju into this world. Or, I mean, he's, Charlie Day ends up being our villain in this film, personified by the forerunners.
0: Yes, because like taking over, or they're sharing his body, brain. I guess.
1: Yeah, because in the first film, they, him and, um, Bern Gorman's character, uh, uh,
0: Doctor Herman Gottlieb.
1: Yes, they drift. They do the mm-hmm. mind drift with the kaiju, and that's how they learn about the forerunners. Yeah, but I guess Charlie Day's character, um, Geisler Easler, keeps drifting afterwards almost like a drug
0: yeah and he keeps like the giant kaiju brain mm-hmm. to keep drifting back and forth with so then in doing so the other alien race what are they called the forerunners the forerunners they've been able to like almost in like a hive mind sort of set like take control of him in certain s- situations and even like changes the way his voice sounds and In doing so, they controlled him to infiltrate the uh, what is it, Shao's Shao uh, Industries, Shao Industries, and their Jaeger drones, so that they could be controlled by Kaiju brains and controlled by the Kaiju, and then have the Kaiju like Kaiju out. I don't know what I don't know how do you explain that they
1: are able to grow into the Jaegers and create some kind of like hybrid monster. And because Shao Industries is creating a line of drone Jaegers to fight and keep the world safe.
0: hmm So there's no pilots in this they don't they put like the big kaiju brain where right. the pilots would regularly and be.
1: Day has been secretly working to do that behind the scenes. Right. And
0: but then and, and then he just like he like disappears for like twenty minutes for like literally no reason. Right. And then, like, that's where, like, Scott, the Scott Eastwood plot device comes in, and he's just like, Don't worry, guys, I got him. And you're like, Wait, you were, like, on the verge of dying. Yeah. Somehow you traveled across the city and climbed up the uh, super, like, one of the tallest buildings there and knocked Charlie Day out. What? Like, this is like, and then we, again, we don't see how that plays out. Like, we don't see, like, okay, like, did Scotty, did Scotty scare Nate Lambert? Did he survive? Is he, like, mortally, like, wounded? Is he ever going to be able to pilot again? Nothing.
1: I think he's just fine. Because you're, like, I mean, even though he's been
0: stabbed by the... I guess, but we never see that. Yeah. And it's just, like, why? Like, I mean, I know, like, I listened to an interview where tonight it said, like, I it was a goal of mine to make sure this moves under two hours to keep it moving. But you're like nine to 10 minutes under two hours. You could have used an extra five minutes to tie up this story instead of ending it with a snowball fight on Mount Fiji. Like, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work. There's no, there's no character tie ups at all. And I also would have liked, I know like the Knights also talked about the fact that they wrote a script that they were very happy with, with Hunnam back in the leading role. Mm-hmm. And then the day they turned it in, the next day, Hunnam's, like, uh, dream project that, like, he's been working, trying to get moving for years, finally got greenlit and was going to shoot the same time as the sequel so he couldn't do yeah Uprising. And so they had to do all these rewrites and everything. But, like, I still find it weird they didn't even, like, make a mention of his character or, like, really whatever happened. Like, there's, like, the cliche, like, okay, well... Most of you probably didn't see the first specific Grimm. Right. So we're going to ex- re-explain how Jaeger's work, mm-hmm. how Kaiju's work, what happened in the first movie, all in the first three minutes. Right. All narrated by John Boyega mm-hmm. to introduce this character. And, like, there's no mention of him. It's even, like, a hero of the war or anything. It just felt weird. Again, like a lack of knowing your world almost.
1: Yeah. And less artful, too. I, mm-hmm. mean, I mean, like, that's, again, like I said – Without Del Toro here and trying to just pop it up, it loses some of its mythos and the magic, and it just really feels like you're um, you're getting the cliff notes yeah. of something that could really be an incredible franchise, and now yeah. you're kind of I mean the movie's doing well and you know barring any incredible drop-offs yeah in the coming weeks. Uh, it'll probably warrant a sequel. So
0: there's a there's a pretty good chance it will get a sequel. Again, skewed towards international audiences. But, I, you know, like, I don't want to... S- how do you even do what their plan is? Like, Jumbi was like, you don't have to wait for... We're not going to wait for your next act. We're going to come for you. Yeah. And you're like, you guys are going to open the breach again? Purposefully? And then travel there to destroy them? Like The, the exact thing you don't want to do? Yeah, it just seems counterintuitive and it like it seems like a stupid thing so because like the kite can the kaiju even open a breach on their own that's but, still unclear that's what
1: we saw them do that was that was day's plan that's how those three that those two category fours and that five get yeah. into the world um
0: but that was they, they they came into the world because the jaegers made like 20 new breaches right Yes. So they came in through those, but right. like in the first film, I don't remember them explaining like how the first breach happened that like, allowed these kaiju to keep coming. So like they don't. I don't. Th- now that there's no breaches and now that there's no, you know, secret kaiju mind working in the in the human world, I don't think there's even a way for them to come and attack in the first place. Right. So like, and why do they want Earth? It's it's. There's no motives. Yeah. They, 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 I don't know.
1: We did not learn any of that from the. But first they're like, we're this. never
0: going to stop. And it's like, why? Yeah. Why?
1: <laughs> <laughs> why the. Per- yeah. I mean, like, if you're an ancient alien race and you have the technology to create massive beasts um, and send them through an interdimensional portal to mm-hmm. Earth, why? Yeah. Why Earth of all places? Mm-hmm. Especially this Earth where i <laughs> mean i mean i don't know but i, don't know. I also don't buy yeah, the
0: precursors to, it's problematic just to wrap this up i also don't buy that all of japan could get into secret underground bunkers to avoid a jaeger fight in like five minutes
1: oh yeah that was Come really on. quick too
0: but it was Come also like on.
1: i mean i do appreciate the like oh if these buildings aren't full of people kind i of guess, line.
0: but like but, yeah it's like th- there's no way yeah <laughs> and I
1: do have one final critique here okay. too. Um the fights were good. They were better. Or they were they were more action heavy. There yeah. was a lot more for you to see. Mm-hmm. But I when I went back and watched the original Pacific Rim fight scenes Del Toro there, there's an attention to detail that Del Toro puts with these massive mechanized robots yeah. when like you're ironically you're closer to the ground in del toro's film you when you see those robots interact with the physical world when it drags a ship down yeah. uh a highway you feel how outsized all of this is mm-hmm. and how ridiculous this is these battles they feel a little bit smaller scale because we don't have an eye, a set of eyes on the ground anymore yeah we don't see them we all of a sudden. Gypsy Danger whips up some massive, you know, concrete structure. Like, well, where did he get that? And there's yeah. these little inserts that little the Toro added to his film, where you see it lifted up, and you see people go, "Oh my goodness, that's yeah. incredible!"
0: Now and, we just see them pulling down buildings left and right mm-hmm. with no repercussions, right? It's like, or you
1: know, flying through them or things like yeah. that. There's, it's just, um, yeah, it was just a, yeah, it was just a, a. Uh, a pumped up version and it suffers for it.
0: Yeah. So I guess my final thoughts on Pacific uprising are if you're the, if you're a fan of the first movie, I think you can still find enjoyment out of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, but it certainly doesn't hold up to the standards that I think Del Toro started this franchise with. Right. And I mean, obviously go check it out for yourself if you're Mm -hmm. really interested in it. But I think there's a better movie to be made here. Yeah. So absolutely. If that means we have to get a third one to see that happen, maybe Dator comes back now after an Oscar winner, they'll let him do what he wants. Um I don't That'd know. Awesome. But that's uprising. That's uprising. <laughs> so uh you know, Josh gave it three ticket stubs out of five, I gave it two and a half. That's all we have for our review. Of Pacific Uprising, go check out Josh's written review on the site as well. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news. And as always, we're going to start with Ticket or Skip It. This week, we actually have a bunch of trailers to get to, so we're going to start off with a teaser trailer for Terminal, this one starring Margot Robbie, Mm. Simon Pegg, Mm. Mike Myers, Dexter Fletcher, it was creepy, has some cool visuals, first time director, and it's like 45 seconds for a movie that comes out in just over a month, so don't know that much about it, it's about like an assassin underworld or something. I think Margot's the target. Um, but this director has done assistant director work on Beauty and the Beast and the Heart of the Sea, Danish Girl World War Z, and a couple other things as well. So he's well-versed. Now he's going to make the jump to a feature director. Um, I thought Since I thought the teaser was interesting enough and Margot's fresh off by Tanya, I'm going to give it a ticket based on that, even though... I don't know. I don't necessarily believe we will be getting this one in theaters. I feel like this is a very limited small yeah. movie that I'll find on Amazon Prime one day.
1: But okay, yeah. I mean I'm 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 here for this too, but you left out some other really good ones though. He assistant directed on um, Snow White and the Huntsman, Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean, and one of my one of the most underrated favorite movies I have out there, World War Z. Mhm. Uh, so, the guy's got you know I mean some chops von Stein, mm-hmm. which you know I'm gonna have so much fun saying if we get <laughs> when we get, if we ever get this film, but yeah, I have no idea what's going on here. It almost has like a cult like feel to mm-hmm. it as she's walking down Margot, like it's Robbie, yeah, She's walking down some kind of gymnasium with chairs and lights, and uh, I'm all about the aesthetic, I'm all about the mad as a hatter thing mm-hmm. so. Yeah, absolutely, go for it. And then Mike Myers, I just watched Baby Driver the other night, so I'm ready. I'm ready for <laughs> it. This, this is
0: Mike Myers. No, yeah, that's <laughs> the, the Halloween mask. Such uh, a great movie. It is so good. Or a great
1: moment too. But yes. anyway, um, and then Peg in there too. I, I, there's the possibilities here, and mm-hmm. Let's do it.
0: Take yeah. It. Um. So the next one we got is the first trailer for Spy Who Dumped Me, starring Mila Kunis and Kate McKinnon, as these two regular girls who get wrapped up in a spy game after mm-hmm. one of them is dumped by their boyfriend. Yeah. Um, I liked the premise of this movie. The execution, I'm not sure of. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say skip it really? for this one. Just cause I the trailer didn't sell me on it. But I won't be surprised if there's, like, good moments to it when it does come out.
1: Yeah. Okay, I hear that. I'm going to give it a ticket because I'm a sucker for Mila Kunis mm-hmm. and I am a, a complete sucker for Kate McKinnon. Uh, and all of her SNL work is just incredible. And I think I've said this before, mm-hmm. but uh, just completely reverent for that. And then also Justin Theroux in there. And the guy, I think the guy is kind of coming into his own as a, I know what I am type of an actor. Yeah. And it looks like he's fitting into these scenes really well. It's got a, it's got a great goofy premise and the, the... I think what I would call the centerpiece scene of them just slowly roll, like getting into a car, getting ready to drive it and stick. And she's like, I don't know how to drive stick. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like 90% of us nowadays. Uh-huh. So I'm like, I totally identify with this for like a spy movie yeah. comedy parody. Uh, so I think it's got potential. Ticket, ticket, ticket.
0: Okay. Uh, then moving on to the first trailer for Under the Silver Lake. This one is the follow-up for the It Follows director, this one stars Andrew Garfield, Riley Keough, um, and others. And, again, I'm going to give this a ticket because I like how Garfield's career is progressing in his indie turns. You know, He's done a lot of nice smaller stuff recently. Mm-hmm. Now, after getting away from Spider-Man, um, yeah. as good as he was in that role, like, to see him do these other smaller, weirder movies I like – It definitely surprised me in the tone of this trailer. It was almost played as a comedy. It was much more upbeat, um, and that's certainly not what it follows was at all. Since that was a horror movie, but I like the premise of this. Uh, You know, just like guy meets a girl, girl disappears, yeah, and he just like freaks out about it. He's like, but there must be some hidden message Mm -hmm. to it. So it's like, I like the idea that this could be like a really fun mystery thriller um that way this director can kind of stay in that horror thriller genre but do it in a completely different way. I think that's what's really drawing me towards this movie um as well as having a very strong first trailer.
1: Yeah, I didn't see it's follows, but was it is it good? Is it great? Yeah, okay. It's good. Awesome. Um but yeah, I have no idea what to think of this. I noticed it had Topher Grace in its lineup Mm -hmm. and I haven't seen Topher Grace in forever, but, uh, so, I mean, take it for that right away. (laughs) But uh, the trailer does look like, it looks like a, a anti-coming-of-age movie about or an anti, you know, some kind of antithetical thing. Like he's, cause the very first, uh, thing Andrew Garfield gets told when he's like, she's missing is maybe the, some guy going, well, maybe she didn't like you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe That's why she didn't tell you. So it's going to be like, almost like looking for me. At least I think it may be about looking for meaning and meaningless things. Yeah. And that'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. And then Garfield, um, has a lot of dopey charisma. Yeah. And I think that's what made him a good Spider-Man. Uh, um, um, so him getting, get, stepping away from more serious roles and kind of, kind of finding a niche here is going to be fun to see.
0: Yeah. Uh, then moving on to a tra- the first trailer for tag, this one, a comedy yeah. with a story exactly what you'd think of based on the title. It's a, it's a game of tag. Uh, but this time it's based on a group of guys who have been playing tag every May, I believe. Yes. They play it through the entire month of May for like 20 or 30 straight years. They've been mm-hmm. playing it every single year. Uh, it has a great cast Ed Helms, John Hamm, Jeremy Renner. Uh, my guy Jake Johnson's in this and yes. got a big beard and bushy hair. And I think it, he looks great, um, as well as Hannibal Burris. Yes. And I think I'm leaving somebody else out. Can't remember who.
1: Uh, the, the man himself, John Hamm. No, I mentioned Ham. Oh, did you? Ed Helms, Jack one? Johnson, Jeremy Renner. That's everybody.
0: Okay, cool. Um, we got, I mean, there's like Rashida Jones. There's uh, Isla Fisher. Uh, Isla Fisher. And mm-hmm. uh, there's, I don't know. Annabelle
1: Wallace, Leslie Bibb.
0: Yeah, and Leslie Bibb. That's what I was thinking of. But like, it's got a great cast. And this trailer was excellent. Yeah. Like, s- such an easy ticket. Uh, like, I, this one had been on my radar just because of like the cast and the premise. I'm like, okay, that could be funny. But like it's executed in such a way that like i didn't anticipate it being as good as it looks like it's gonna be mm-hmm. i just think it's and the fact that it's based on a true story is just yes insane like right <laughs> i i don't know i, I want to see all the different scenarios that these guys are going to play tag in whether it's uh a funeral whether it's giving birth to a baby <laughs> right um you're getting married like mm-hmm. and like all of those actually happen in real life like they aren't made up for the movie right so like that's just so crazy like i just i don't know it looks like such a fun time and with such a great fun cast that i'm i'm in yeah I'm totally sold.
1: absolutely i'm gonna I'm take it too and i can't think i can say anything other than what you've already said but it's it's so ridiculous this is a true story that it's going to like warm your heart at the end because the trailer is already warming my heart. I'm like, oh, it's it's just grown men acting like you know kids. And then mid- midway through, they're like, no, but it's also about growing up and how the game has kept us together. We're running from each other, but it's actually
0: bringing us closer together. Yeah. Like,
1: yes. This is fantastic. Uh, all about it. Ticket, ticket, ticket.
0: Yeah. So then we also got our second trailer and second title yeah. for the sequel to Sicario now titled Sicario, Day of the Soldado. What'd you think? Loved it. Ticket. This is,
1: I was worried... Best about-
0: trailer of the week?
1: You no. Know. Okay. Tag is the best trailer of the week. I agree. Um, this is second. Okay. I was worried about what Taylor uh, Sheridan was up to with this movie. He didn't know he he wrote it and it wasn't being redirected by anybody super notable Mm -hmm. so I was like oh no they're gonna just amp this up and that's what that first trailer was this one gets us back to the ground level roots it's about Benicio del Toro we get some backstory on how the cartel's funding terrorists now to cause um, chaos at the border Mm -hmm. that's super cool but the biggest and coolest part of this is Josh Brolin Benicio del Toro the two most uh, kick-butt actors in film right now <laughs> are going mono a mono uh-huh. because Del Toro is cutting loose and they're going to go head-to-head. Yeah. And there's this understory with Elizabeth Moner and how she's um, a part of the daughter of a, she's a the, witness. Who yeah, she's
0: the daughter of the... One of the cartel, of the cartel members. Leaders. Yeah. Who he... Del Tor- I think he's. It's he- she's the Isabel Moner is the daughter of the bigger, bald um, guy that tour does like the the really yeah. quick gunshots to. Street. Um, she is his daughter, and so he kidnaps her, mm-hmm. and yeah, she
1: pays. She-, she lays witness to everything, and so they're going head to head, and. Uh, I'm 100% here for it. It looks exciting. looks tense. Uh, the visuals are still keeping mm-hmm. pace with what um, Denny kind of a step made the status quo for that last film. Uh, I I cannot wait. May, August, summer, May, May can't come soon. June? enough. June. I don't know. I don't remember the release date, but it can't come soon enough because I'm absolutely loving it.
0: Yeah, I, i thought this was just an exceptional trailer mm-hmm. like it's all a lot more of the story this time yes um which i appreciated because the first one didn't give us a lot of the story it was just more like oh, okay alejandro's on the loose right and i'm like but like for what
1: it was just tension with nowhere to like place it exactly
0: and but now we know why like i i it's there's a lot of logan parallels here of like oh yeah uh, del mm-hmm. tor basically being like Nah, I'm not listening to you anymore, bro. And like, I'm gonna do my own thing, (laughs) right? Because I can't, I can't kill this girl because it goes back to his character and the fact that the reason he's on this revenge mission is because the cartel leaders killed his family. So now he wants to get back at them. But now he's asked to kill uh, this girl for like really like no reason necessarily. Mm -hmm. Just be like, oh, you gotta clean it up. Like no like witnesses. And it's like, you know, she didn't like really. Do anything, right? Am I?
1: Yeah, no, she hasn't done anything.
0: Yeah, so like, I, I don't know. I just like that angle to it and the fact that it looks, it looks like they're going to spend a lot of time together, um, as Bill Moner and Del Toro's characters because they're going to be like on the run together. And then the fact that Brolin like has to make this turn and go against Del Toro I think is super fun because in the first movie, they're so, they see eye to eye all the way through. So now that he's just like, no, I can't do this, uh, i really Mm -hmm. like the question i do have though is at the end of sicario it's been a while since i've watched it he goes to that family's house and kills the guy does he not kill the family is that correct
1: that's the thing that i that's the only part of this that doesn't make sense because he does shoot the two sons and the
0: wife but they're both they're both boys they're both boys so maybe it's the daughter thing because he had a daughter right so I guess that's the loophole it's not oh I can't kill kids it's I can't kill a daughter like how mine was executed and maybe like he maybe she looks similar to his daughter or has a similar personality or something that's like oh I see my daughter in you so it's just like it's too tough yeah that's I, I need I need that explained, but otherwise, great trailer.
1: Right, because I, I just looked it up in the middle of this, and I was like, That's right. what the face was for.
0: I was like, did mm-hmm. I say something wrong? Nope. Okay. Um, so then moving on to the final trailer, this one being the second, third trailer for S- Deadpool 2. Second feature-length trailer. Second real trailer. We'll call we it go. that, since we had that Bob Ross thing at the start of it all off you really just
1: don't like that (laughs) i don't i mean no it didn't
0: do anything for me and this trailer is okay what
1: this is a great trailer this is deadpool 2 is looper but with superheroes and it's awesome i don't know what the deal is with um oh gosh what's the kid's name julian dennison julian dennison's uh, mutant kid.
0: I'm very happy to see that he looks to have a very big role in this. Yeah,
1: he's he's the MacGuffin. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's Julian MacGuffin here. Um, Brolin has come back from the future to take care of this kid, who I assume will, you know, be raised as a villainous monster and light the world on fire. Yeah, is that? Is that I think that's the world Brolin's been born into. Possibly. That's why he's back. Well, anyway, I love it. Um, I love the X-Forces references. I love Zazie uh, and Dope Pender. Oh, and that relationship great. is is back on key. He's, he's the driver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would just love it even more if he's still just the taxi guy. And Deadpool's just like, hey, can I get a ride the entire way through? <laughs> and Dope just like, yeah, it's another Tuesday. Yeah, I might would as love well. that. Another high five. That's, yeah. all,
0: that's all you need.
1: Exactly. So, take yeah, take it all the way.
0: Yeah, I mean – I'm still going to give this movie a ticket because I'm going to see it, obviously, right. but I still have concerns over this just because I, f- it still looks like it's two different movies. Like, really, I haven't seen – there's there's one moment, but it's not even that funny, of like Deadpool and Cable interacting mm-hmm. that it's like the regular Deadpool. It's like all of Cable stuff looks like this Terminator – Movie starring Cable, but yep. then all Deadpool stuff looks like a fun Deadpool movie, cracking jokes about who knows what. Right. But then, like, how do those movies coexist together? That's where that's that line that I'm still not sure of. Um, I'm also like, I don't know. They said from the get go, like, oh, no, we're not going to, you know, this isn't going to be a next four setup movie. It clearly is. Like, come on
1: as it as it seems yes
0: as it's you 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 are bringing an iteration of the x-force in Mm -hmm. like that's no that's not a mistake you're doing that very um intentionally like i just i i I worry if this movie is going to fall into the sequel itish trap the franchise itish trap um can it catch lightning in a bottle again I just I I am more hesitant on this movie than I know a lot of people are. Um it's not necessarily that I think this movie is going to suck. Mm-hmm. But I am definitely giving myself reservations cuz like I don't want to go and think this is going to be the best thing in the world better than the first Deadpool cuz I just I honestly don't think it it can be. Yeah. I don't think it will be. Um I hope it proves me wrong. Because I feel like I've been pretty down on this movie, and I want to be really excited for it. Because yeah, the addition of Josh Brolin as Cable is great. Zazie beats as Domino is great, but we haven't seen her a lot, and that's weird to me. Like two, three scenes. Yeah, so one with dialogue. And like the weird thing is, like in all of these great test screens that are now coming to surface, like uh-huh. oh, Zazie beats is a scene stealer. She's she's great. We we want to add more Zazie Beetz as Domino. Mm-hmm. You're not even gonna market her, <laughs> really? Like I don't yeah, know. It's just that's fair. It's just weird to me. So like I want to. S- I obviously want to see a lot more of this movie. I want to see the whole movie. But as of right now, there's this Deadpool sequel, and then there's this Cable Origin Revenge movie, and they're somehow meshed together to make one. And I just don't know if that's gonna mix well for me. Okay. So we will see if.
1: if- don't forget, Deadpool contained a 10, 15-minute streak in it where he was basically being tortured at the mm-hmm. uh, facility and then ended in a, a nude firefight scene. So Yeah,
0: but that's like, like you said, 10 minutes of the movie. Right. Like, all of Cable's scenes we've seen are, like, in this, like, futuristic world that's dark and gloomy or in this prison sequence that's dark and gloomy. Mm-hmm and super serious and violence. And I don't know, like I've, I have not read really any Deadpool comics or Deadpool cable pairings or anything. So like I've heard from a lot of people that, Oh, in the comics, like cable makes Deadpool funnier because Cable's so, so serious. And Deadpool just plays off of that and mocks it. And like his comedy bounces well off of cable seriousness. And I hope that lands the same way in the movie. Yeah. And for some reason, we're just not seeing that right now but until i see it work you know i'm not gonna be like yeah it's it's the best sure okay fair so enough. uh speaking of deadpool 2 by the way and its secret test screenings thr also revealed along with it testing very well that deadpool 2 recently filmed a top secret cameo in la taking only two hours to do do you want to do you have any quick bets on who this is I have one quick bet. Okay. X23. Okay. Yep. That's my guess. Bringing her into the present just to make it easier?
1: I don't know what the reason would be, but just imagine Daphne Keane mm-hmm. playing off of Deadpool. Or Deadpool like, oh, so I'm a big fan of your work and how you, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> tear people to shred, rip their heads off, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think that would be phenomenal to toss into a rated R film but uh, because, I mean, the the – they're both rated R, so right. you can do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, I would say it's Wolverine or somebody like that, if it's not X-23.
0: Yeah, I feel pretty confident this is Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. but not Wolverine. So just some kind of like a, that oh, it, hey. That's going to be Hugh Jackman as Hugh Jackman, the actor.
1: Or Hugh Jackman as the guy from Greatest Showman. What's his name? That would be even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> P.T. Bottom? <Barnum?
0: laughs> yes. I don't think so. Because I, I, in the first Deadpool movie, at the end, he's wearing the uh, People magazine cover, Hugh mm-hmm. Jackman's face, 2014 Sexiest Man Alive, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so Hugh Jackman, the actor, is technically canon. He is in this universe. So so is Ryan Reynolds, the actor, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> That's so right. why? And like, I don't bringing Wolverine back after Logan. I don't know if that works that well. True. Um, Because it's such a great send off, then to bring him back is like, oh, kind of copped out there, Hugh. But if it's just Hugh Jackman, like being Hugh Jackman, the actor, like walking the streets and like Mm -hmm. Wade Wilson bumps into him, he's like, (gasps) (laughs) yeah, you're Hugh Jackman. And he's like, no, 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 kid. Like, that's not me. I'm just a different Australian boy. Like, Uh I think think that could be fun and it would be a great way for ryan reynolds and hugh jackman did get that crossover that they wanted so badly in the in the first movie mm-hmm. now to get that but do it in a fun way that doesn't require hey hugh can you go work out in a gym for a couple months real quick beef up again come film this wolverine scene that's super that's not important at all but it'd be fun for the fans yeah. like i think that's a it's a very fun way to get hugh back without getting Wolverine back. Uh, uh, I agree. Fair enough. So uh, that's, that's where I would put my bet. Uh, I think there's other options as well. Maybe even Patrick Stewart, Professor X. That'd be fun. Uh, we even see him in that trailer spinning in the Professor X <laughs> <That's> wheelchair. <right. laughs> um, or if they want to go real crazy, I suggest the idea of Nick Fury <laughs> or oh. Samuel L. Jackson in an eyepatch sitting in the sister uh, Agatha, I think is the name of the bar. Um, that The bar that... Deadpool goes oh, to that's run by yeah. T.J. Miller's character. It'd be fun if just like, you know, cut away and Samuel Jackson sitting there in an eye patch, just drinking. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, wait, what? Yeah. Just to be like, here's a thought in your mind just in case that Disney Fox merger goes <laughs> that's through. Right. Easy way to cross it over. And if it's not, it's just, oh, it's just some guy that looks like Nick Fury. Mm. We'll have to don't mention him by name.
1: <laughs> we'll have to do an over under on uh, if there's any uh, ADR jokes about
0: Disney the acquisition. <laughs> I will not put it past him. Um, but speaking of the MCU, some sad news coming from Chris Evans as he told the New York Times that basically he's going to retire after Avengers four, hanging up the vibranium shield that he technically doesn't have anymore and the stars and striped suit. Uh, He said, quote, you want to get off the train before they push you off. And then even though that was not the rest of this is not a quote from Evans, he basically said that, um, you know, after the reshoots on Avengers 4, he anticipates that being the last time he'll ever have to wear this costume again. So this is sad.
1: Oh, did not see that news. It just sort of kind of like floated into the news cycle, too. Not with a bang, not with a flash, just kind of a...
0: Just a middle of a random New York Times article. There it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely... It's posited right there up, up front. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no hoopla over it. it. She just said, yeah, I'm done.
0: Yeah, I mean, Chris Evans has said similar things in the past. Like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, once my contract's up, that's it for me. Like, I don't plan on re-upping it because, you know, I want to direct or I want to do other things, but then... Six months after that, he'd be like, "Oh man, I love Marvel. I'll I'll work in them studios for as long as the, as long as they want me. If they want me for another twenty years, they got me." Like, yeah, say, say stuff like that or being like, "Oh, I can't imagine not having this job because having this job allows me to go do gifted or go do um, uh, me and uh, what the his the movie he directed with Alice Eve like, you know." it allows doing Captain America and getting these 15, $20 million paychecks allows him to go make a super small movie that he doesn't have to worry about what he's going to get paid for because it doesn't matter. He already got his paycheck for the year, basically by doing one Marvel movie. Right. So that's where I, I don't know. I still, I believe that's his intention currently, but unless cap is 100% killed, I don't see them just like, I don't see him walking off into the sunset and then being like, oh, that's it. We'll never see him again. Like, we'll get him like 10 years after the fact right. to be like, hey, some new person's on the block mm-hmm. or some super big threats arrived again. Right. We need Cap's advice, not his help. So, Chris Evans doesn't have to put on this all this weight to be like super muscular again. He can just relax. Uh-huh. And I'd even love to see him take, like, the Nick Fury role or something. Like, take on a leadership role. He can pop up every three years in a movie. But it only takes him, like, a week or two to film. It is not a six-month shoot anymore.
1: Yeah. And it's so random, though, too. Like, this feels like a major breach (laughs) of, like, Marvel uh, secrets or something Mm -hmm. like that, you know. But he's really just talking about the role. Yeah. And, like, man, wouldn't that be, like, a no-go area? Like, don't even talk about your plans.
0: Probably. Really. Cause uh, I, I mean, then it opens up all like, well, so if, if he's gone, what happens with the captain Rick Amantel? Is it mm-hmm. gone? Like what, what's next? Right. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean,
1: uh, it's, de- it's definitely really, it's going to be, I mean, I don't, I'm not feeling it right now, mm-hmm. but depending on what happens in infinity war and in infinity war four, which he has scenes in, uh, we mm-hmm. know. Um, so you can te- tease that out or maybe he's, maybe it's a fake out and, Right, the real gut punches coming in Avengers three.
0: I mean, there's set photos of him in Avengers four, whether or not, or where that takes place, <laughs> in right. The timeline yeah. or what you know continuity it all takes place, and that's up for debate.
1: He's definitely a remarkable actor, and he's like he's like coming to his own outside mm-hmm. of the you know, um, Human Torch days in yeah. the early Captain America phase. And like you said, like Snowpiercer before we go, the mm-hmm. movie he directed. Yes, so I, I'm definitely uh, excited for whatever he does next, mm-hmm. but it's still the idea, the, the idea that he's got his eye on the exit um, is still like, no, yeah. it just makes you think about that shot um, of him and Thanos in the affinity war trailer uh, a lot more intensely.
0: Yeah. Cause like, I, I don't know. I think that Chris Evans is the, most perfect casting yes, for Captain America. Arguably, for me personally, the most perfect casting in the MCU. Like, to not take anything away from Robert Downey Jr. because he is so Tony Stark, mm-hmm. but I also think Chris Evans is so Captain America that it's like I, I'll never be able to see one without the other anymore. Right. Where like Robert Downey Jr., he's still got like Sherlock. He's got these other roles. i mm-hmm. like, you know, he's still there with total, Iron Man's clearly the biggest one for him but like I don't know I, this may just be because I'm a cap guy he's my favorite so like the thought of losing Evans sure like it's terrible but again I'd be excited to see what he can do outside the MCU more doing more things like Snowpiercer mm-hmm. which I think maybe his best performance of his career Um and then you know also allowing to see what else this means to the MCU whether it's mm-hmm captain marvel becoming the new like i'm just the person of you know i'm the good person on the team the moral compass basically of the avengers that could work or if that means that falcon takes up the captain america mantle and like he does in the comics um that would be fun to see anthony mackie take on a bigger role in the universe either way there's a lot of options out there but i will never be ready for chris evans to leave
1: quick take Chris Evans grew a mustache for his Broadway
0: role in Lobby Hero? Yes. Yes or no? On the mustache? Yes. I have not seen it, so no opinion. Not seen I have the not mustache? I've seen his no cuz I've seen like interviews of him when he's been like prepping for it and he still had his like uh you know he had like his scruff or closer to his Captain America beard, not just a mustache. But now I'm being shown the mustache. And Live reaction. Ba-bam. Now, seen, now I'm seeing an ad for Vea Chips. Oh, yeah. But, delicious, by the way. Uh, hey, Chris Evans and mustache. Sure. I, I mean, he looks, he looks like a New York cop. <laughs>
1: and wait, there's a Magnum PI reboot already happening, right? On TV. That's right. Man, he just but missed out.
0: I heard the suggestion on Meet the Movie Press. Yeah. From Jeff Snyder. That uh, James Mangold is doing this. His next movie is going to be an adaptation of this cop book. I don't remember what it's called. But it's a movie about an older cop in New York. Chris Evans looks the part (laughs) now. uh, That'd be fun to see him and Mangold team up. Commissioner Gordon, the new one for the guy who's writing the new movie. For Matt Reeves? Matt Reeves' new film. What about J.K. Simmons? Yeah, this one's better. What if they recast Chris Evans as the new J. Jonah Jameson? <gasps> Plot twist.
1: Oh, yeah. How do you do that? That would <laughs> be, be hard to do. You
0: reset the timeline I was ready so that <laughs> Captain America was actually played by somebody else, allowing Chris Evans just have a campy desk role now in the MCU. I was ready to buy Keeping that him around
1: until I thought forever. about it.
0: Um, but moving on to Star Wars, The Last Jedi has had a great deal of backlash her, not a great deal. There's it's, been there has been backlash, a lot of conversations around it too about yes. the decisions made. Yes, um from fans, some happy, some upset with what Ryan Johnson did with the eighth installment of the Skywalker Saga, and obviously he has his new trilogy on the way, which um, brought Fandango's Eric Davis to ask Ryan Johnson if the response to the Last Jedi has changed the way that he is developing his new trilogy and ryan johnson says no because he just thinks star wars fans are passionate they're coming at it from passionate place Mm -hmm. doesn't take it personally and he's still gonna do his own thing is that good
1: yeah it's the best that's how you it's what you want your director to do i mean i i as as much as i said about the movie during our review and still think about it today i wouldn't want ryan johnson to listen to a single idea in my head because they're, <laughs> they're really all terrible <laughs> i mean honestly I, re- I just rewatched looper last sunday and the movie is great from start to finish in a lot of ways and i do want to add a caveat there he has 40 minutes of deleted scenes and extended scenes on that thing and i think it just really speaks for looper to- for
0: looper really
1: and i think it really speaks to the man's Dedication to the quality of work he <laughs> does. And that translates to The Last Jedi, which is out on DVD this Tuesday. Uh, or yep. Blu-ray and digital this Tuesday. Get it on that's what, Blu-ray. That's what you say now. That's right. Um, and what the, the guy worked basically um, unchained on The Last Jedi, other than you know giving notes to Lucas and helping them work through the story.
0: Lucasfilm, not Lucas. Right.
1: Well, yeah. I'm uh, Lucas. Yes. Lucasfilm. <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy and company um, in the writer's room there. And he came out with a great f- a a great film from scratch. Yep. That's awesome. I mean, well, know, mostly from, s- from scratch, yeah. kind of from scratch. He was
0: building off of yes. <laughs> episode 7. So. Person, yeah, exactly.
1: And now he gets to go start completely over. And, like, what what are you going to say? Oh, Ryan, it was too funny. Or, right. like, we didn't like Canto Bight. Like, how is that going to really influence? Yeah, no more
0: casino plans. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, t- I mean, like, turns out the whole thing takes place on no a No more Barry planet. Poppins
0: scenes. <laughs> right,
1: yeah, I mean, like, the, the notes that you're going to give him on his new franchise is ridiculous, I think. Or, like, the idea that, like, what do you mean? How is it going to influence it? People's takes on it were, like, um... I mean just like we didn't like your what you do with the character Luke and but it's like well Luke won't be in this new franchise so how is Ryan Johnson going to learn from uh, don't so you don't want him to create a beloved character and then take him <laughs> a new direction that you know also deepens your relationship with him is that what you're saying or I just I don't yeah
0: I think the influence would be like that The Last Jedi is a very bold movie mm-hmm. in the way it you know, progresses these characters and the way it progresses the force and the way it progresses this universe. I think that would be the note, if anything, that you know, even though apparently he's not, which it's important to say that he's just in the development phase of this. So, as of right now, he is not letting the backlash change how he's developing this trilogy. Yeah. But that's not to say that Lucasfilm won't eventually be like, hey. You're planning to do X, Y, and Z. That's too crazy. People already hated what those crazy moments you did in Last Jedi. We can't afford that again as we're launching a new trilogy. We're giving tens of millions of dollars into development right now. Yeah. We can't afford it, so you have to cut back on this. I don't think that's what they'll do. No. Because as controversial, quote-unquote, as Last Jedi was, it still made $1.2, $1.3 billion. Mm-hmm. So it's did pretty well yeah um people are going people went to go see that many many times in theaters four times for me um so, and yeah i think this is a good thing because that's what star wars needs like mm-hmm. i mean i don't know as somebody who is not a super hardcore Star Wars fan but like is definitely a is a minor hardcore fan of star wars yes i guess that's what i classify myself as okay um If this universe is going to continue on for decades upon decades, you can't just rely on doing the same stories and the same characters over and over and over. You need innovation, you need fresh ideas, and that's what Ryan Johnson does. And that's what he did with The Last Jedi. That's why we got the Snoke throne room scene, which is maybe the best scene in Mm. Star Wars history I think you or Colton or somebody called it the best scene in cinema ever I don't remember Um, maybe Colton may have have said or his favorites Um, and I mean that's it's hard to argue that because that's a great scene Mm -hmm. Um, you know like all of the different stuff that he did with the force projection with Leia's force use like all of the stuff that is cool and changes the way we've thought about the force like we need that in Star Wars. Otherwise, we're going to be like, in three years, be like, all right, we've gotten the same Star Wars movie eight different times.
1: <laughs> right. Or. Let's stop. <laughs> or, or, or it'll get to the point where it'll be like, well, Ryan Johnson's uh, first movie in the trilogy was a mix and matchup of episodes two, three, and seven, which is good, but I really think he needs to you know. He needs more of box. episode one in there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like the uh, going with an all Jar Jar Binks cast about the Gunkins <laughs> on a more different Gungans. planet
0: was was uh. a good
1: take but really ultimately not what we wanted ryan right you know and then it's like you throw your hands up at that point because it's like mm-hmm. what do you want from people yeah
0: so like i think it's a good thing I that do ryan Johns is not laying this affect it i still think it's important to point out that that doesn't mean it. lucasfilm won't ever come in step in and be like not you know put any chains on his ideas but like I could see them based on how they've been very protective over Star Wars, this new regime, and the ideas and the tones and everything, and we'll touch on that in our big question this week. Um, But I could see them being like, Johnson, do we have to do this, or could we do this instead so we're not going super crazy? Mm -hmm. Because, again, I I don't... They need an episode 7-like reception for this first movie in Johnson's Trilogy, which he's writing and directing. So if it's another episode 8, then it's like – and maybe it doesn't hit a billion, which would be surprising. But maybe it only makes $900 million worldwide, which is still a crazy amount of money. But it got really good critical reviews, but then audience perception – and the Star Wars fandoms divided even more because he did more bold, different, brave ideas than like so Lucas be like yeah, well Benny Off and wife has six movies mm-hmm. uh, planned out so we're going to go with their ideas Johnson take a take a back seat.
1: Nah, I mean I, I mean it sounds like he's I mean, he's going to be first to produce. Yeah. The film um I don't think that'll happen. No, but I, yeah, I do. I do can't see them saying, "Well, maybe you don't need 250 sets, you know, <laughs> <laughs> to work with." Maybe
0: just uh, maybe scale just two hundred. If
1: anything, yeah. they just say less ambitious. Yeah,
0: because uh, they do things in bold strokes. Mm-hmm. And speaking of people taking a back seat, that is what Phil Lord and Chris Miller did with Solo: A Star Wars Story, as they revealed this week that they are taking executive producer credits on the movie. Which means that Ron Howard will be the sole director credited on the movie. Is this a surprise?
1: No, not a surprise. I knew their names would be on the film somewhere, some way. And we knew that
0: Ron Howard would be the only director, likely. Yeah. So, but is executive producer? Do you think that's the right title for them?
1: Yeah. I I mean, they helped workshop and write the movie, kind of. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were in with the story group, at least from reports. Yeah you can't not have them there for that. They helped develop this young Han Solo character and the narrative that he was going to take, even if Kazim was the one putting notes to paper and putting words in people's mouths. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the right. I mean, they're going to get a decent payday for that if they haven't already. Yeah. So, and then Howard is ultimately responsible for the final product, Mm -hmm. which we kind of figured.
0: Right. I think this... I don't think necessarily confirms those reports that Howard reshot 80% or more of the movie um, because, I mean, if you're Phil and Chris Miller, you don't want to be like, well, technically half of this movie's ours, so we deserve directing credit because it's not their movie anymore. So, like, why would they even want directing credit? It's It's just that weird situation. So I'm not surprised they're not getting director credit on it. I'm a little surprised they got executive producer credit, not just producer credit. Because executive producers are normally more involved. I get that they are; that they were super involved in the development and pre-production process, and obviously eighty to eighty-five percent of the actual filming process. Mm-hmm. But if they reshot the entire movie, and he's not—they're not involved in post. They're not going to be involved in marketing in anything like right. how how much producing did you really do to this version of the movie? <laughs> like <laughs> I, think right. that, I think that's where it'll they be, just get muddied in the water
1: it'll be great someone will go to them for comment on how it feels to be cast out from the Star Wars movie and they'll be like oh no we were getting dailies the entire
0: time <laughs> yeah. sending notes to
1: to Howard and everything yeah that will be good. surprising
0: <laughs> um but yeah so I don't think it's terribly surprising um other than I would have thought they would just get just a producer credit or because like they're not going to get screenplay because that's Kazden's he's got that on lockdown yeah and I doubt they would get a story by credit because that's also Kasten's world. Right. So, like, if they're not getting story, they're not getting directing. Like, yeah. where else do they fall?
1: At worst case, it's what um, Thirty Rock said about this: executive producer is a, <laughs> is a meaningless title made to people feel important. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, you depending on how the Film Guild standards, you know, work, they're on there because of unions.
0: Yeah. So, moving on to Men in Black, talking about this franchise once again as The Hollywood Reporter revealed that Tessa Thompson is joining Sony's Men in Black spinoff starring opposite of Chris Hemsworth. It marks, obviously, a Thor Ragnarok reunion as she played Valkyrie opposite of Hemsworth's Thor. They'll be directed by F. Gary Gray. So, it's not Taika Waititi being the Thor reunion you wanted here. No. But is. Is this suitable? This is
1: beyond suitable. I'm actually hyped for this. Um, when Hemsworth was at it, I was like, okay, I can get behind this, but what if we switch directors? We didn't do that, but instead we got Tessa Thompson, who looks like she's taking a turn into comedy now. Yeah. Um, with... with uh, Sorry to bother you, Licky Stanfield mm-hmm. film, um, and now this. I'm, I'm I'm hyped for a Men in Black movie now. Yeah, this sounds epic. Whatever they round the cast out with, cast out with, and story story seems unimportant as long as it's funny. Um, <laughs> who they get to write it may, will probably matter a little bit, but I am I am so here for this.
0: Yeah, I does it does her addition help eliminate those concerns about the tone for you at all that you had previously?
1: Yes, because I thought they'd be going more serious.
0: Yeah. And
1: now it's definitely a comedy. I mean, Tessa can walk the line and mm-hmm. so can Chris, but it's definitely a comedy because that's what Hemsworth wants to get into. And if he signed on for this and she signed up for two, they are definitely going to go, you know, walk, because Chris came on first. They're yes. definitely walking his way with the tone of the movie more than
0: some kind of
1: self-serious um, aliens among us mm-hmm. type rumors.
0: Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I th- I think it's it's an obvious choice because Thoragnarok was such a big hit. Why wouldn't you pair them up? If you're looking for a female lead of color, Mm -hmm. Tessa's the biggest name out there probably right now that fits the description. They probably wanted. Yeah. Age range, things like that. It makes sense. I think it obviously shows that, that there will be some sort of love connection between the two. Obviously makes sense. Um, it's obviously going to bring on Thor Reiner comparisons when this movie comes out because of them starring, but also the alien, otherworldly <sighs> nature of this. Yeah. Um, especially if, you know, they maybe even go cosmic. Uh, mm-hmm. You could do that, I guess. Like, Tyga can cameo as an alien. That would be that'd be great. They I just mean, wrote your movie for you, Sony. For anything, I mean, it's been established in the Men in Black canon that. Humans are not the only men in black. Like There are other Mm -hmm. alien species working with that agency. So why couldn't the third or fourth member of the team be an alien, a CG creation, and just have Taika voice it? Yes. That would be fun. But we know they want an older male for the third member of this ensemble. Mm -hmm. Is there any better suggestion than Jeff Goldblum?
1: There's one there's no better suggestion, but there is one equal suggestion. Okay. Sir Anthony Hopkins. No. No? No. No? No. <sighs> no. I don't know. Jeff Goldblum I mean, but if okay, but Jeff Goldblum as the zany head of the men in black. As the
0: zany Grumpy older member of this unit that oh. is an alien disguised as a human. So that way you can let Goldblum. As much Goldblum as Goldblum was in Thor Ragnarok, mm-hmm. he can go even more gl- uh, Goldblum in this. But he's grumpy. So then he can't be that. Gr- well, he doesn't have to be grumpy. Okay,
1: good. Okay. As long as he's not grumpy. But come like, I'm just thinking
0: it. like, you know, he's the vet. So he's just like, oh, I'm over this sort of a thing. Like, that, that'd be so fun. And like.
1: Oh, like an as if type yeah, of attitude. Like, oh, come
0: on. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like they they clearly want to get some sort of Thor Ragnarok connections here mm-hmm. so like why not just capitalize it all off get Jeff Goldblum yeah. from this but also people love him from Jurassic World or mm-hmm. Dr- I mean Jurassic Park and right. stuff but he's gonna be in the sequel or in Jurassic World 2 so like he he's still up there in pop culture he was in the Independence Day uh, sequel like right. Jeff Goldblum's still a name he's still a get he's still a draw to some degree mm-hmm. so like I think that would just be such a fun trio to have in the, in this movie. Oh, that absolutely! It I don't know if I'm Sony. I don't know how that's not your next call. I mean, Jeff Goldblum
1: basically dresses in men in black. You know, mm-hmm. like on his daily
0: routine. Yeah. So let's just go for he's it. He's the most. He's the most stylish man in Hollywood, arguably <laughs> other than Taika Waititi, who if he's not doing a voice wo- voice uh, role, even Taika Waititi, the actor, would be a great uh, yes third member to this group. Absolutely. Um, yeah I'm, I'm excited for Tessa um, And then speaking of another Very high in demand Female of color in the industry Variety revealed that Tiffany Haddish The breakout star of Girls Trip Is joining the voice cast for The Lego Movie 2 uh, Her role is not yet Confirmed nor are the plot Details for this movie But she joins confirmed cast members Of Chris Pratt, Elizabeth Banks, Will Arnett Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill Perfect
1: she's exactly who they needed to add mm-hmm. I mean she's on a hot streak now I mean I think we've we've talked about one of her projects The for Kitchen like The Kitchen and then have we talked about anything else that she's been signing up for don't it think so seems like there's been news about her every yeah. week or if not people on my I mean, timeline she's, are she's just raving the, about she's her she's in the Uncle Drew movie that's right um, so she's having a year and no other perfect time to add another great comedic voice uh, to Lego Movie
0: yeah yeah, I, I I'm very happy for Haddish. It's going to be an easy role for her to do because it's just voice work, not doesn't require motion capture or performance capture or anything. So this is going to be a, a day or two in the booth, get a nice paycheck, go do promos, and it'll be fun. And I think she's just a nice uh, comedic voice to have opposite of Chris Pratt as like, you know, if he's the lead from like the male kids' perspective in yeah. this, like. Haddish can come in and do something else, and I think I ha- know who she'll be playing.
1: Really? Okay.
0: At the end of the Lego movie, mm-hmm. the sister is allowed to play in this world, and yeah. she brings the Duplo figures into this universe. Right. I don't think they talk or anything, but this movie is supposed to take place, I believe, a couple years after the first. Okay. Um, And it's going to deal with, like, the gender differences. So like how boys oh. see things differently than girls. So okay. I think it's going to be a lot about the, you know, the son and daughter, the brother and sister learning to play together in this world. And so I think Haddish will be the lead Duplo, <laughs> whatever oh, her character, awesome. And like, so she'll just be like portraying and acting like a five-year-old opposite of Chris <laughs> Pratt's Emmett, which I think is going to yeah. be just, I think that would be a lot of fun and make sense for why, you'd get somebody like Haddish. That's perfect. I love it. So uh, wrapping it up real quick here, we'll, we'll just fly through these, go do a throwback to the flyby almost in reverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani landed two projects this week. THR revealed that him and Dave Bautista are going to start in Fox's action comedy about ride-hailing apps titled Stuber. And then Variety reported that him, Mark Ruffalo, and Amy Adams joined Annapurna's The True American, directed by Jackie's director, Pablo Lorraine. That movie is based on a book that follows a Muslim immigrant who will be portrayed by Najiani who survives a killing spree at his work but then uh, befriends his attacker played by Mark Ruffalo to save him from being executed. Which of the two is higher on your must-watch list?
1: Okay, Stuber's going to be on my much-watch watch list because it's going to come out sooner and everything like that. Okay, and, But... True American is Oscar bait. If I've yeah. ever seen it, and Kumail Nanjiani is gonna have an Oscar in the world he's we live have two in. Two Oscars. He's gonna have two Oscars, and we are going to live in one of the greatest worlds ever. <laughs> that is awesome. I mean, he also he's an Air Force pilot. The yeah. Pakistan, um, the person he'll be betraying mm-hmm. in there. Uh, this is gonna be so cool. Um, and then Silicon Valley comes back tonight, or this came back this week. Yes, and uh, it's the year of Kumail. <laughs> I'm all
0: about it. Yeah, I I am very ha- excited for both of these projects. Very happy for Kumail um, to see the Big Sick riding high after its Oscar win for Best Original Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree with you that True American is the one that I'm more interested in because it's a different turn for Kumail. Like yeah. I want to see his dramatic chops because in the Big Sick he balanced that line between he has very serious, very dramatic moments, but he also still has that Kumail humor that mm-hmm. you know made him the person that people love today so like I want to see him not rely on the humor probably at all and go full on for this really um, complex story and like I didn't love Jackie but Pablo Lorraine definitely took that movie in a very serious turn so like if it's a similar tone and take on this uh, movie then that's uh, yeah it's definitely Oscar bait so Last one we want to get to here real quick. Uh, variety speaking of the big sick revealed what its director, Michael Showalter will do now after, uh, will be his first gig after the big sick, that being, uh, him directing universal's holiday holiday comedy starring Jessica Chastain and Octavia Spencer. The story follows two female leads as they fight the elements to make it home for Christmas. It's previously been likened to the John Candy, Steve Martin, uh, Holiday comedy, trains, plans, and automobiles. Mm-hmm. Is this a perfect fit or what?
1: Yeah, it's a perfect fit. Um, Chastain, uh I mean, I don't know how the... You have a theory on this yes, movie. Yes, I do. Um, so if you, I don't know if you... But I, I love it. And Dane and Spencer are two um, terrific personalities to put in this situation.
0: Yeah. And I I'm mean, all about it. Yeah, I mean, my theory for this movie would be that if it is like trains, and automobiles, that's... Uh, Jessica Chastain would be the bubbly part of the group, mm-hmm. being the John Candy in this situation, and then that Octavia Spencer would be the one just like, leave me alone, I just need to get home in time for the holidays yeah. like Steve Martin was in the same movie. So like I think that would be a really fun um, dynamic for them two to have, even if they switch it up or even if they do something completely different. Uh, I like the idea of Chastain and Octavia Spencer working together in a holiday comedy that's probably going to be – a more family-friendly affair, probably like PG-13. You know, they'll have a couple of more adult jokes in there, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But like, I like that this is where Michael Showalter's career is going. Like, yeah. I think this is a very nice next step for him. And hopefully it's, uh, it all works out great. I don't know when this supposed to come out, but if like, he just boarded the project, the cast is already on board, I think the script is already shaped up. Will we get it at the end of the year? Could they turn around that quickly? If you shoot it, if me, if you shoot, next month
1: and it's not i mean it's not gonna be a complex edit
0: no not a bunch of cg or anything so right i, I mean it'd be great i mean you have to rival like mary poppins and stuff but like still I'd, I'd love to see this movie as soon as possible right i mean
1: having it sitting in the can for an entire year would be insane mm-hmm. but um hey if we need more christmas movies out there yes cause we do. i'm all about christmas we don't movies. get enough of
0: them no um especially like real ones but um right not the hallmark christmas
1: prince yes
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're fine i mean I, i'm a sucker right, or mom, like the animated
0: grinch movie or whatever like you know i want more like yes live action not daddy's home 2 movies
1: or shane black's uh you know his oh, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> set around christmas time or whatever the yeah. case is
0: um last one real quick just to kind of get an opinion on this THR revealed that the Lego Ninjago movie director, Charlie Bean is going to direct a live action take on Lady and the Tramp. That's going to head to Disney streaming service. It'll be a live action CGI hybrid. Do we need this movie? And is the streaming service the right place for it?
1: Uh, The streaming service is the right place for it. But I don't know if we need this. Yeah. And are the dogs
0: going to be CG? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Mm. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, Lady in the Tramp's great movie, um, but I don't know if I need a remake of it.
1: I say you go the extra mile, you train dogs to <laughs> eat the noodle and kiss, and then you go from there. But and actually make them talk and everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we'll just put, like, walkie Can't to- be that hard. Put walkie-talkies on them or something like that, mm, whatever guess. the case is. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd rather them go the full CG route for the dogs in certain places because I hate, like, the talking dog movies where it's like,
1: Hey, Homeward Bound is a classic.
0: Okay, but, like, I I remember seeing – I don't remember what movie I was seeing, but there was, you know, a, a – I think it was A Wrinkle in Time. There was a preview like, this dog show movie, and it's, like, live action, and but, like, these dogs are, like, spies or something, and, mm-hmm. like, their, oh, their, their yeah. mouths are moving. And it's like, I don't buy this. But so, like, okay. yeah. if they can do it some way differently on a smaller budget on the streaming service – It'll be an easy one to pick. Oh, sure. I'll have an hour 40. I'll check this out because I'm already subscribed for Star Wars or Marvel content anyways. So uh, that's all we have for this week. Josh, do you know what we're doing next week?
1: We are powering up. We're getting our game on. Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One is in theaters. His um gets getting decent word of mouth. It's getting pretty good reviews. And... I have been so back and forth on this, mm-hmm. but I, I have never fallen into the camp that Steven Spielberg is awful now, and we need to you know <laughs> yeah, tear the down the
0: anti-Spielberg camp has yeah, risen.
1: Exactly, I just I don't I don't get it. Like the revisionism of no like his film Twitter. Yeah, I know. Wild, what a wild, weird place that is. <laughs> it really is. But I'm down for it. I think it's going to be interesting and fun at the very least. At the very best, it's Spielberg putting the capstone on his career in some ways and other ways.
0: I hope it's, I mean, it's not going to be the end of his career. Well, he's but, not retiring,
1: but he's yeah. just kind of like, that's everything I just did. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a good,
0: ref- you know, good way to look back and everything he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I've
1: heard re- the word is that he incorporates a lot of his things.
0: Yeah. I mean, not too much. I think like he didn't want it. Cause like the book is very Spielberg heavy, obviously because he's the, one of the biggest influences of the '70s and '80s mm-hmm. um, in terms of popcorn movies. So, but then like he didn't want to do just that. So he's incorporated stuff even up to like 2017 references, 2016, like the most recent pop culture stuff he, he can do. Um, he's added like I've already looked at like the wiki page for this, and like the list of Easter eggs is mind blowing. Oh, like geez. the different stuff. Like I don't know how they caught all this already, but like you're gonna have to see this movie so many times to find each of this stuff because it, it, it's going to be crazy and i've been high on this movie the whole time can't wait to see it next week hoping it's a return to the big blockbuster nature of spielberg that we all love uh, we'll also be back with a big question in a couple of days as teased earlier we're going to do star wars one for the first time in like a month surprisingly uh, we made it a while and i was going back to the galaxy far far away discussing if Lucasfilm's recent habits are going to scare off directors a la Ava DuVernay or Taika Waititi or anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll look at that, dive deep into it. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, though, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, have a ride give us a five-star review with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show. But also, if we're not five-star quality but you want us to be or we're really close, tell us what we can do to get better. Um, we always appreciate that kind of feedback. Be sure, be sure to tell us your thoughts. Everything covered by Twins at Friends and Film. You can follow me personally on there at Movie Cooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me Josh. It's just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends and Film podcast. Josh, thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn to next week for our view of Ready Player One.